So, next four weeks during the month of November, um, we want to go on a journey together with regard to healing in the church. Uh, particularly physical healing, mental healing, let's expand it further, um, both for people within the church uh, and those that we connect to. Um, so what's the journey and where are we going from where to where? Well, the starting point is, of course, where we are. You can't really start from anywhere else. Um, where do we want to get to? We want to get to a higher level of faith, expectation and experience of healing, in particular uh, in the area of physical healing. We can't get anywhere without God, so we're relying completely on the Holy Spirit to empower us and guide us, but we believe he's going to do that. Um, so we need to go on this journey together and discover what the Bible teaches and put it into practice. Uh, we don't want to have any weird or contrived interpretations, uh, twist what it's, it says to kind of massage our particular beliefs. We want to have a clear understanding illuminated by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, the word says, guides us into all truth. So I'd appeal to everyone and say, like in Hebrews it says, let us not have a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God uh, and the direction he wants to lead us, lead us in. Okay. If there's anything that I or any of the other people that are speaking uh, bring and you think that that's contrary to... Uh, the, the word of God, or could be challenged by the, the word of God, then come back, you know, and you know, raise it. Uh, I don't want to do anything except uh, what the word of God says. And uh, so let's let's have a, a look at. So, what's what's the uh, motivation for? for going on this journey. So many of us have got long-term illnesses or conditions, and I don't want to stay, that, to stay that way. The motivation is love. We want people not to be in pain, not to be weighed down, uh, not to be <coughs> suppressed by infirmity. I believe that the infirmity is not from God and it's not his will for his people. Second reason is that our gospel message needs to be one not only of wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. I believe it negates our gospel message if we preach a God who is almighty and real, yet unable to meet us in our physical needs. So what's the aim? I've covered that to an uh, extent already. Uh, Dave, could you start the PowerPoint row. There you go. It's to make a step change, um, as stated in our level of faith experience and expectation of physical healing. Um, <clears throat> there's um, a couple of graphs on there. So the, the one at the top is what you might call a step function. And as you can see, that it's going from a, a place on the left-hand side to a, a higher level. Uh, and it stays there and in fact gives you a platform to going even further. Um, what we can often do when we're kind of concentrating on one area is actually uh, raise, raise our level and then we don't give it any more attention and then we just kind of droop down and then we're back where we started because uh, I don't want anybody to think, oh, 
Uh, well, we've done that, so we're doing something else now. Uh, I want us to actually uh, live up to what we achieve. Um, so, uh, the second uh, aim really is to change any mindsets we might have that don't align with what God's Word teaches. And the third one is to overcome any strongholds uh, that are in our thinking that prevent us from receiving healing. It's not our intention to coerce anyone. Uh, it's, we don't want to press gang anybody. Uh, we just want to inform and equip people so that they can choose what they want to do. Um, having said that, there might be some people who get offended uh, by what we bring over the next four weeks, and that certainly isn't our intention, but it might happen. Uh, just appeal and say, please keep an open mind. So a quick heads up of what's to come. Next week is entitled, God Wants You Well. And we'll be looking into what the Bible says about this, discussing sort of various scriptures and considering how we can change to align our thinking and put into practice what we believe and increase our faith. And then the third week is about considering the authority that God has given us, the power of the word of God, and how we exercise faith. And the fourth week will be about consolidating what we've learned so we don't end up going on the droopy path. Uh, <laughs> and, um, yeah, and what we, consider what we've experienced and preparing the way ahead. We've also got a couple of midweek sessions, so those are on the 15th and the 22nd on Wednesday evenings. And that, they'll give us a, an opportunity to sort of learn further, go a bit deeper, uh, to share some testimony and to pray for those uh, who want to be prayed for with regard to healing. Uh, so just to talk about today, after I've finished speaking, then I'm going to open things up for questions. So if you have any questions already or, you, or they occur to you, then just make a mental note and uh, there'll be an opportunity to ask at the end. I'm not saying I can answer them, but <laughs> well, um, at least you can ask it. Okay, I'm going to uh, lay a kind of foundation this morning and do a, a bit of a recap on the teaching that we had last year. So do you remember that we looked at the names of God? Do you remember all that? The I am, and we looked at eight different things that uh, are in the Bible, which you could consider to be names or maybe the character of God. And in the Bible, it doesn't make a lot of difference because uh, a character is very much tied up with the, the name. Um, and the one I looked at was called um, I am Yahweh, I called it. I am the Lord, your healer. Um, early on in the book of Exodus, God revealed himself to Moses in a burning bush. Um, I, or perhaps we should call it a flaming bush because the amazing thing about it is that it didn't actually burn. Uh, and that's what actually attracted Moses' attention to it. Having, uh, having called Moses to go back to Egypt in that burning bush, to start the process of freeing his people, Israel, from slavery, Moses asked him, who shall I say is sending me? And God replied, I am who I am. Okay, you should say that the I am has sent me to you. So God reveals himself in the most fundamental way of language can express itself, that is the verb to be, and he reveals himself to the Hebrew people as I am. Um, which we refer to him or they, as Yahweh or 
Jehovah, Dave would prefer. Uh, and the, the, the thing is that we don't actually know exactly how to pronounce that word uh, because I believe it wasn't actually pronounced. Um, so this is translated in most English Bible translate, translations as the Lord, often with small capitals. Um, so fast forward 12 chapters in Exodus. And the Israelites have now left Egypt. Uh, they've crossed the Red Sea onto dry land, on dry land, uh, and the sea then closed back to drown the Egyptian army that was pursuing them. And the very next way in which God revealed his fundamental character to Israel uh, is by, by saying this, I am Yahweh, your healer. So, <clears throat> can we read that? Uh, this is how he said it to them. So, there the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. He said, if you listen carefully to Yahweh your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am Yahweh who heals you. And that was, is like a... God expressed uh, his heart. There were conditions for the Israelites. We'll look at those uh, later. But his heart was expressed to them was, um, I am the Lord who heals you. Okay. Um, after, so after the initial revelation of um, I am who I am and the name Yahweh, out of the eight that we looked at last year, there are, just, there are three further characters that God actually declares about himself. So I don't know if you realised it when we looked at those eight different things, but some of those were actually said by other people, such as Gideon or um, Abraham. Um, but there are only three that God actually declares it about himself. And here are the, th here are the three... That's the first one, I am Yahweh, your healer. Or in the NIV it says, I am the Lord who heals you. The, the ESV, extra special version, says, I am the Lord, your healer. Um, here are the other two then. I am Yahweh who makes you holy in Leviticus 20. And then the prophetic one from Jeremiah talking about Jesus says, he will be called Yahweh, our righteousness. Healing is sort of right up there with them, isn't it? Those are like the, the only three, I think, that, that God says about himself with that term, I am. Okay. So God is Yahweh, our healer. Okay. Can we just, can we just say that together? <coughs> Yahweh, our healer. And now say, God is Yahweh, my healer. God is Yahweh, my healer. It's, it's uh, yeah, applies to you. Applies to you. Do you believe what you've just said? And if you do, you're simply believing what God uh, announces about himself. And we want to believe God, don't we? We need to grasp hold of this. God wanted Israel to know him as their healer. Now, when Jesus came, he practically demonstrated God's desire to heal his people. So what did God mean by healing, by being our healer? Uh, what did Moses and those he passed declaration on to understand by the word healer? 
Um, so the primary, the, the Hebrew word is, is rapha. The primary meaning of the word rapha is physical healing, that is being cu cured from physical illness. But its meaning is much wider than this, and the word is used metaphorically to mean all kinds of restoration to wholeness. Um, so I've just brought out some examples I could do with some volunteers to read it. Have we still got that? Have we got the green mic? Yeah, it's over here. Um. I'll tell you what, actually, instead of asking other people, <coughs> let's just read them together. Yes, there, are, there aren't many. I've just picked three. Um. <laughs> How's your eyesight? <laughs> 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 Okay, here we go. This is from Psalm 30, 1 to 3. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realms of the dead and you spared me from going down into the pit. Amen. Here's another one, which you probably know well from Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my, all his benefits. He gives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Yes. So that word in there, who forgives all your sins, who heals all your diseases, that's the same, same Hebrew word, to heal. And it's used throughout the Old Testament. It's, it's very common, but it's used in lots of different ways, and I've only picked uh, just three out here. So the next one's from Psalm 147, which says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. So... I listed last time a number of uh, different things in the Bible that this word Rapha, healing, uh, meant. And here, here they are. So, <laughs> re-enable female fertility, um, naturally recover from illness, or sorry, from injury, um, get better naturally and with treatment, heal physically by divine power, Pardon, cover over sin, treat as if ceremonially, ceremonially clean. Um, where have we got to? Heal the anguish of the soul, or, which is, or the inner being, the whole person. Uh, repair a broken soul, so mental and emotional healing. Uh, restore to a healthy state, morally, mentally, physically, relationships and life circumstances, both as individuals and as a nation. In general, repair, restore, treat, and remove the tendency to sin. For example, in Jeremiah it says, I will cure them of their backsliding. Um, that's the same word, same word being used. Now, if God reveals to us something of himself and his character, we'd expect Jesus to show that character in some way. So how did Jesus show this characteristic? Or if you prefer, how did he manifest this uh, name of God. Well, of course, healing people and setting them free from demons was a major part of Jesus' ministry. He spoke about the kingdom of God and demonstrated its presence in himself by many healing miracles. 
you want to call out, you're probably aware of them, but which ones occur to you? What, what, did, what miracles of healing did Jesus do? Ten Sorry? Ten lepers. Ten lepers came to him and were healed, yes. <coughs> Any others? Bartimaeus, a blind beggar. Okay, yeah, Bartimaeus. Sorry, what did you say, Tony? Peter's mother-in-law was healed of a fever. Yes. Yes, yes, very good. What was uh, unusual about that one? He was a bit. He was a bit of distance healing. Okay. Yes. He, he, he said, "Just say the word." Pam. Right. Yes, he, he healed by a word. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yes, it wasn't a, a physical healing, but it it, uh, it completely changed her. Yes. Mike, did you say one earlier? Oh. <laughs> we know quite a few in, in fact in the gospels there are 26 distinct healing miracles uh, I'm not just talking about ones that are repeated there are 26 different ones that are described in detail including three people that were raised from the dead um, but in addition to the individual stories there are many general statements of Jesus healing people or sending out the disciples to heal, where they're not said specifically. But I did a, a brief count of those, and I, I counted 22. Uh, and there, there may be more, but it's, it was so much part of Jesus' ministry. Here's an example. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of illness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. That's in Luke 4. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralysed, and he healed them. Here's another one. Large crowds followed him and he healed them there. And then the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. That's just four out of the 22. There are many, many statements like this. And these are demonstrations of the presence and advancement of the kingdom of God. Jesus did not make anyone sick. And there's no record in the Gospels of him ever saying to anyone, this is not your time to be healed. Or, no, I'm not going to heal you because God wants you to remain ill for a little longer. All that came to him were healed. Here's uh, something, I think, that demonstrates the fact that the healing that Jesus brought was a demonstration of the, the presence and the advancement of the kingdom of God. At one point, John the Baptist, who prepared the way for Jesus' arrival by baptising people and preaching the need for repentance, predicting that one much mightier than he would come after him, he sent his own disciples to ask, are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Now, Jesus could have just replied, well, just tell John, I'm the one, it's me, it's okay, don't worry. But he chose to answer, 
in this way. He said, go back and report to John what you see, what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. In other words, the kingdom of God is here. Uh, this is evidence of it. This is the presence of Yahweh, your healer, amongst you. In the Acts of the Apostle, Peter uh, gets called to the house of a Roman centurion called Cornelius. And uh, when he gets there, this is how he described the ministry of Jesus. He said, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. Jesus also uh, showed a great deal of compassion. There are many examples of that, but I haven't got time to go into them now. But uh, it wasn't just a mechanical thing. He, he, uh, he had a lot of compassion for the people that he healed, and that is declared in, in, in many places. Going back to God's declaration about uh, I am Yahweh, your healer, uh, I mentioned that there were a number of conditions. The conditions were, uh, listen carefully to Yahweh your God, do what is right in his eyes, pay attention to his commands, and keep all his decrees. But Israel did not do that. And we have not done that. But there is one who has done that, and his name's Jesus. Jesus did far more than simply demonstrate the nature and character of God, more even than demonstrate the power of God through his miracles. He fulfilled the law when he died for us on the cross. We'll have a quick look at Isaiah 53. So this is a prophecy about Jesus um, and includes the word rapha, which means to heal, and it was that original word how God declared that God declared about himself. Let's, <coughs> let's read this together. Let's uh, get the benefit of that. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows or suffering. We considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crucified for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Okay. <clears throat> now in Matthew, he reports the fact that Jesus went about uh, healing people, and he relates it to this very passage. Uh, in Matthew 8, he sa it says, When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word, and he healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities uh, and carried our diseases. I don't know if I've got that. Yeah, it was, okay. Um, and then Peter, in his first letter to the churches, also quotes from Isaiah 53. 
Um, This is what he says. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So Jesus has paid the price not only for our forgiveness and salvation, but also for our healing as well. So here's a, a recap, really, on that, uh, initial, that revelation back in uh, the days of Exodus uh, of what God says about himself. So God is Yahweh, our healer. He is fundamentally the God who heals. Um, healing has a core meaning of bringing about recovery from physical illness or injury but the meaning has much broader application to restoring mental and emotional health, spiritual wholeness and blessing. And then finally, God has brought about his restorative healing in its widest sense through the work of Jesus. In order for Israel to experience the blessing of God's healing, they had to listen carefully to Yahweh, do what was right in his eyes, pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees But for us, Jesus has fulfilled the law. He has paid the price for our sin and redeemed us from the curse of law so that the blessings of the law could be ours in Christ. In uh, the second letter to the Corinthians, this is what Paul says to them. But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises, this is an amazing statement, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. That's an amazing truth, isn't it? But Christ has fulfilled that for us so that the reality of of that... uh, declaration of God has, has be, become a, a reality through, through Jesus. And note that bit at the end, because often we miss that out. So through him, the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. There has to, what does Amen mean? Yes, agreement, so be it. And we can actually look at what Jesus has done, and we uh, we can leave it there or we can take hold of it and add our amen to it and take hold of it in, uh, and receive it. Uh, it does require a response from us. Um, there's a verse that we often quote, isn't there, in Ephesians uh, that says to him who is God is immeasurably able to, able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. Um, uh, but what does it say after that? It says, according to his power that works in us. We can't just step back and say, well, we, God, can just, God can do it if he wants to. We'll just, uh, you know, we'll, uh, whatever will be, will be. Um, because not everything that happens is God's will. We have to actually take hold of what he has said. We have to apply it with faith, and we have to have a, a right response. So... What is our response in relation to what I've shared today? 
Um, so I think the first part of our response is, be, is to agree with God. God does not lie, and he has said, I am Yahweh, your healer. That's in my character. That is the nature of God. God wants to heal us. Um, the second part of it is to respond to him in the deep restorative work that he has begun in you and will carry on to completion. But we have to walk with him in it and respond to him in faith and cooperation. There are many testimonies of people in the world, some even in this church, of people being healed. And we heard some of it uh, from Chris uh, about the, from the, some of the churches in India, about, uh, which we heard about last week. We need to change. I said we need to go on a journey. We want to change our attitude from God, <coughs> God is healing people all over the world. Why can't he heal me? Instead, we need to bring, come to the position of faith, which is God is able to and he's healing people all over the world. Why can't he heal me? It's the same words, but a very different attitude. The second one is an attitude of faith and say, if God does it there, there is no reason why he, uh, I shouldn't be able to receive healing and why I can't lay hands on the sick and see them recover. So my third thing in terms of response is we should consider these rather shocking words of Jesus to his disciples in the context of talking about miracles he had performed, which I mentioned last week. He said, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Or if you prefer the uh, English standard version to give it its correct name this time. Truly, truly, I say to you, uh, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Now, if you're anything like me, you'll have looked at those and thought, that, well, that's a bit extreme. Um, I'm no way I could ever do the same works of Jesus. I can't attain to that kind of level. But Jesus didn't say, those with a special gift of healing... Uh, will do the works that I did. And he didn't say, you 11 uh, apostles that are remaining here, <laughs> that he was speaking to at the time, that I've chosen, you will do these works. He didn't. He said, anyone who believes, anyone who has faith will do these things. That's a massive challenge, isn't it? We can't exclude ourselves. So that's why we all need to embark on this journey together we don't really have somebody who's got an outstanding uh, <coughs> ministry of healing in the church. Maybe some will emerge. Please, God, let it happen. Um, but we, we don't need that. We need to actually take hold of what he says and go on the journey together. So let's do it together and support one another in it. That's all I have to say at that point. And I said that I would answer any questions anyone's got. <coughs>